Welcome to the Friends of a Feather podcast. I am your host, Ren Robbins, and I'm excited that you're here. This is the place where you will feel encouraged as I share my friends' God stories with you. Whether you are on your commute to work, folding the laundry, or taking me with you on your walk, I pray that you will feel seen by God and be spurred on to honor Him with the gifts and talents that He has given you. Welcome to the podcast, Carla. Thank you. Thanks for having me here and Happy New Year. Yes, Happy New Year. (laughs) And I'm excited to have you on the podcast. We met at Business Boutique in Nashville two years ago. I got to meet you through a friend of mine, our mutual friend, Melanie Red. Yes. And I loved meeting you and it was just like an instant connection and we just started talking like we were BFFs, right? (laughs) Totally. Yeah. We connected kindred spirits. That's what I call it. That's right. So you are a longtime blogger and you are a speaker and also a writer. And I know in your bio, it says that you are a a speaker and a encourager and then a writer last, but I I don't believe that at all. Well, thank you. That's a really nice compliment. But I do consider myself a teacher first. Um, That is where I was trained and I taught high school English and then I taught at the college level for several years. Then I took a huge break when I had my children. And then I went back to my church teaching Bible studies. So that's where I feel most comfortable, I think, is teaching. And then out of that grew speaking, out of that grew blogging. And then that's why I say I'm a writer dead last. It's kind of like when you're a nurse, I think, you know, like a little too much when you get sick. That's how I feel about writing, right? I know a little too much. <laughs> yeah. So it's so much easier for me to have the red pen, right? And grade mm. somebody else's writing. But then when it's turned on you, it's been a journey, but it's, been an opportunity that God has used in my life for me to reach more people mm-hmm. and to and, and with his message of course and to be connected with others so um, I'm grateful for it but it is a labor it's a labor of love for me for sure sure well I know how God has gifted you in many different areas especially with encouraging women in their faith and I love how you have it on your blog that your blog is called at the crossroads Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit about that. I chose the image and um, the crossroads because there is a verse that it says, you know, go stand at the crossroads and take a look around and try to find the right route for your soul and then take it. And so for me, that's what it started as my own journey of trying to connect my faith and my life in real ways. And then to just share that and try to encourage, like you said, other women to do the same. You know, sometimes we can compartmentalize our faith and it's over here in one area of our life and we'll let it seep into some areas, like if we need help with parenting or we need help in our marriage. But there are other areas of our life where we think, well, I've got that under control, my friendships or my hobbies or my job. That's okay. God doesn't need to touch that. And for me, that image of a crossroads, that intersection is that faith should intersect every area of our life. And so I've been on a journey to learn that myself. And so I say I'm always seeking fellow travelers, people that, you know, I don't claim to know it all. I claim to be walking beside you on the journey and, and figuring it out. 
together as we, you know, look towards God to lead the way. I love that, that you look at all of us as fellow travelers. Woo, that's good. Well, and you talk a little bit about uh, connecting faith and real life. And Mm -hmm. wow, that's what we're all trying to do too, right? And so tell me a couple of years ago, you had a diagnosis that Mm -hmm. I want to hear about. I know a little bit about myasthenia gravis, but Mm -hmm. I want to know from your perspective, kind of what happened when you're on your path to finding out of the, you know, hearing this diagnosis? Sure. Um, So I was diagnosed with lupus in 2006. So any symptom that came up and lupus is a autoimmune disease as well. And it's characterized by remissions and flares. So you'll flare in one area, then you'll, you know, be okay. But so when you have an autoimmune disease like that, and you're chronically dealing with things, every new symptom that comes up, you know, your rheumatologist, your doctor says, oh, well, that's lupus. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so in 2017, when I started having new symptoms and they were vertigo-like symptoms, first my eyes was having double vision, I was um, having trouble standing, um, my arms were getting weak, things like that. Again, the first thing that they go to is lupus, right? Well, that, and so they tried some of the things that they would do and nothing worked. And I I saw a lot of different specialists. Well, I finally got to a neurologist. And those of you who have to see neurologists realize how long it takes to get into one. And so I suffered like this for six months and and was reduced to almost using a cane because I could not stand and walk without assistance. And I saw this neurologist and she was testing more the neurology part of things. And she said, I'm going to test you for an autoimmune disease called myasthenia gravis. We could refer to it to, as MG from here on because it's very hard to say. <laughs> okay. And people are, my kids, they have a big joke about it. I'll tell you that later. But anyways, um, so MG, and she's like, you probably don't have it because it doesn't usually go with lupus, but it is a test, you know, whereas a lot of autoimmune disease, there's no definitive test. For MG, there is. You're either creating these antibodies that are killing this protein or you're not. So she tested me at the end of that year in 2017. And in 2018, she was calling me like repeatedly. She's like, I've never seen numbers this high. She said, you definitely have this. And she said, I have people with a third of these numbers and they're in wheelchairs. She goes, I can't believe you're, you're walking. (laughs) And I said, well, by the grace of God. Well, one of the things that, that can happen with people with MG is they can have enlarged thymus. Not being a medical person, I had no idea I had a thymus and Uh I did not know where it was located in my body. (laughs) At first, you know, when you say it to people and when people think you're, they're thinking thyroid, which is what I thought. Well, your thymus is very close to where your thyroid is. It's right beneath your sternum. And so for some people with MG, the thymus has gotten enlarged and and it's dysfunctional. There's something wrong with it. And they think that has something to do with it. And so I had to have a CAT scan. My thymus was huge. And they're like, this has got to come out. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, what will that be? So I had to go see a surgeon. I live by the Cleveland Clinic in one of the top hospitals in the country. So thank God for that. Mm. Did not realize what an involved surgery it was. And that my chances of success of um, doing anything with the MG were not real high. I had a 30% chance of 
going into complete remission when I took out my thymus, I had a 40% chance of stopping it where it was, and then a 30% chance of it doing absolutely nothing. Mm. And so my thymus was removed robotically. It was a six and a half, seven hour surgery at the main campus of the Cleveland Clinic, um, because otherwise they would have had to cut me open, like mm. open heart surgery mm. to get to the thymus because it's underneath that bone. Yeah. There's no other way. Wow. My thymus was 12 inches long. It's supposed to be the size of a walnut. Mm. And it was, it was entwined in my ribs and my, it was just a very, very oh, intense. And I was in the hospital for seven days. I, I did not mm. move. I did not get out of bed. I, I had no idea. They told mm. me it would be And then it sent me into a lupus flare. So I was a mess pretty much, Mm -hmm. but I came home and I started recovering, but my numbers fast forward to today, they took a long time to start dropping and um, they were concerned that the surgery had not worked. Mm -hmm. And because the numbers remained unbelievably high, so high that they were calling the Mayo Clinic they were sending my blood to the Mayo Clinic. Um, the top neurologist, the Cleveland Clinic says I'm in some world book because of the numbers, because of wow. my case, because of, they just have never seen anything like this. They've asked to study it. So they have. And um, I can say to you now though, for the first time, um, two years after the surgery, my numbers have slightly started to drop and my symptoms more than anything have started to wane. Um, I was having double vision a couple Uh. times a day. And then um, I would say to you now, I have double vision maybe once or twice a month. Mm, That's amazing. My arms and legs were so weak that they would give out on me. By the end of the day, I couldn't lift my arms like above. They just did not work because that's part of what MG does. It just weakens your muscles. Mm. And now I can do that. Um, My legs would give out on me. I'm not walking with a cane anymore. So, I mean, to God be the glory that Mm. I think it is working. Um, he, they will not declare me in remission yet okay. because of the test results still have, sure. are not where they want them to be. Okay. But in terms of how I'm functioning, yeah. um, I'm doing a lot better. Wonderful. So that's what MG is about. They just did a documentary, the first documentary on MG, and you can see mm-hmm. it's called MG United, and it tells three different stories of different people. Mm-hmm. And I look back over my life, and I realize I, I can point to even a time before I had children where I fell unexpectedly, where my arms stopped working, different things. I was never diagnosed till wow. I was close to 50 years old. And so that's really interesting, but you know what? I see that as God's protection on me because I think that I wouldn't have gone on to have four kids. I wouldn't have Mm -hmm. done some of the things because when you're diagnosed with something like that, you know, you really have to fight fear Mm -hmm. and you have to fight the fear of the unknown. You have to fight the fear of, well, this could get worse. You can fight the fear of, I could have a good day. I could have a bad day. You know, I had a horrible uh, incident in target that scarred me mm. where everything. And I remember just the girl coming up to me and I remember she had a red shirt on. So I thought she was, and she's like, I think I need to call an ambulance. Like I said, I just can't see very well. I can't, you know, and she's like, well, hang on to the cart. I'm going to stay with you, but I think I need to call. And I so did not want her to call an ambulance. I was just, mm. you know, and she stayed with me and I kind of just, it came back 
you know, and I was still unsteady, but you know, you just, you have a couple incidents like this where you fall, where something happens and then you're just, you can get paralyzed by fear, mm-hmm. I mean, literally and figuratively mm-hmm. in this case. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where you just have to really lean in and trust God. And the parallel story with this run, which is so interesting is that I submitted the proposal for this book the Friday before I went into the surgery on Monday. Wow. And I, you know, I don't know what like just prompted me. I I wasn't afraid. I I didn't think I was not going to wake up from the surgery. I mean, they told me a lot of things could happen. And I did have some issues with my heart where they had to pull out and uh, my heart started racing. So they had to like, I don't put my heart back into sync. It wasn't Mm -hmm. like my heart stopped. Like a lot of people think that, no, my heart was racing, but that happens because they're in there so long and they're right on top of your heart. Uh And so I had some kind of scary moments. Mm -hmm. And especially when I was healing, I had scary moments, but you know, I just had this sense that I have to get this proposal in before I go into surgery. Cause I don't know you know what? And I had met with Vivian, my artist the month before I just like the timing of it. And I didn't have this like urgency, but maybe I, you know, or it was just the Holy Spirit's prompting. And so I submitted that proposal. I went into surgery and then the next five, six months, I was more focused on getting better. Right. I wasn't even talking to my agent. And all of a sudden in November, I get a phone call. We think someone's interested in your Oh. your book and your proposal. Wow. And it was just, then I was starting to come out of this mm. fog of, mm. you know, recovery. So wow. isn't that interesting that God was working even in all of that, mm. you know? I love that. Well, and, and you do this so well, cause I would have never known that you, you know, two years ago, was that before your surgery or was that after? That was after, and I mm-hmm. I did have a cane. You didn't see me use it all the time, but I did okay. have the cane with me, didn't okay. I? I do remember that, yes, but I mm-hmm. would not have known anything else, you know, like amazing. Well, and it's just all, all about God's timing in that, where you say that you turned in your manuscript, and it was all about, really, I mean, it connects with your book, all about resting, um, yes. all about soul resting. And so I want to dive into that a little bit. And you mentioned the words fight fear. And I want to go there first before we Mm kind of talk about rest and the beauty of an uncluttered soul, which is your new book. Tell me a little bit how you fought that fear when you Mm -hmm. are realizing you're going through this diagnosis. I think that the fear for me came after surgery than before. Mm-hmm. I would say I'm not characterized as a fearful person. Mm-hmm. Probably a lot of people would know me. We'd say I'm probably pretty fearless, that I take risks, that I do things, especially mm-hmm. even when I had all these health issues before. Sure. Um, you know, like my parents or my husband would be like, you can't do that, you know, whatever. And I'm like, oh, gotcha. yes, I can. Okay. You know, <laughs> but after the surgery, um, I had heard people talk about panic attacks and anxiety. And I would have to say, if I'm being honest, that I would look at them and say, that's all in your head. You know, uh-huh. like, uh-huh. why, why are you panicking about that? Like, is this real? Yeah. Well, for the first time I experienced a real panic attack, a real anxiety attack. They don't know if it was just the recovery, if it was all the meds I was on, whatever. But I remember that feeling. And my husband said, well, what can I do? I said, I don't know. I don't know. Here's what's wrong. I said, I can't tell you what's wrong. I can't tell you, but something's wrong. And I couldn't Mm -hmm. articulate it. I couldn't get over it. It was just this overwhelming sense. And wow, did God give me a new empathy 
for people mm-hmm. who struggle with anxiety and fear, because mm-hmm. that only happened to me for like the first two to three months. And a lot of it was sleeping. Like I could not sleep or I would wake up like anxious mm-hmm. and I'm like, I'm sleeping. Like, what am I, what am I anxious? It wasn't like right. I had stopped breathing or anything happened. Right. I would just wake up. So wow, I had to learn to sit with that Mm. (laughs) and learn to, um, like, I love the word lean and the word lean just came up and it's, it is a section in my book. And I was just talking to someone yesterday and she said, that's my favorite section. And Mm. I said, God taught me the most in my healing, in my recovery, in my soul searching about leaning into him. And I just even had visions in my head of me, like literally physically leaning into God, Mm -hmm. just like, I don't understand this. I don't know, but I'm, I'm held. I know you're holding me. And I would just put that image in my head and say, I know this is out of control and I can't control it, but I'm just going to lean into you. And so a lot of people say someone just, another person was doing the book and said, did you say lean into fear? And I said, no, (laughs) don't lean into the fear, lean into God in your fear. Mm. You know, I didn't say, you know, lean into the fear, but lean into God while you're fearful, while you're anxious and just sit with it. Mm. I feel too, that one of the things that I, I learned about myself, the way I deal with the fear or the anxiety is that I do more and I distract myself. But I felt like that was not a good strategy either. And like you said, when God physically sidelines you, when you cannot get up out of the couch to walk to the kitchen to get yourself water, well, there are times you're just going to have to sit with it and Mm. sit with the fear and sit with the anxiety. And I think God, for someone like me, purposely put me in that place so I would learn to lean into him because I couldn't do anything else. I've heard that, you know, in those times, that's where our faith grows the most. But I love how you said sit in it. And don't we not want to sit in things? I know I don't. We want to do more. We want to go here. We want to distract ourselves. But sitting in it is really where God meets us. And so I want to go into that a little bit about your book, The Beauty of an Uncluttered Soul. The title just makes you want to just take a deep breath, does it not? (laughs) So I want to know, what does The Beauty of an Uncluttered Soul mean to you and what can it mean to us? Well, when I started writing this book, I would have to say I'm a confessed person that loves order and doesn't like clutter. Right. Mm. And when you're raising four children, you know, (laughs) I I had a, I would say to them, there's a place for everything. And then everything has to go in its place. That's my mom. She would say that all the time. And I'm a lonely child. So (laughs) it's only one of me, but still I've heard that many times and it's true. It's so true. Right. And so I might not be the, the best housekeeper in terms of clean cleanliness, Mm -hmm. but I am good at being organized. And Mm. I felt very out of control when things are cluttered. Yes. And I started thinking about that. You know, I started thinking about, well, why is that? Why is it? And I think for those of us who are in our heads a lot, and if you're a writer, if if you do kind of what you do, you're in your head a lot. And sometimes your thoughts are jumbled a lot, or you're always thinking about a lot of things. You're always planning, you're always doing something. Then I think we want to order our personal external world to kind of deal with the clutter within. 
And I thought about that. And I thought about, there's a lot of clutter in my soul. And I'm so concerned about, you know, the papers being here and the shoes being here and the kitchen being cleaned up. Have I spent any of that kind of time and energy of dealing with what's inside of me? And maybe that would make more of a difference. Maybe that would give me more of the peace and the calm I'm looking for in my life, dealing with what's inside instead of working endlessly to control things that are messed up in what, two minutes? You know, I mean, like we live in a world of entropy. That's the whole world. It, we move from order to chaos every second of every day in every way. And so I started thinking about, well, God must talk about this somewhere in the Bible. He must say something about what he wants to do in our souls and what he wants to produce in our souls. And that's when I kept going back to the fruit of the spirit in Galatians. And I kept thinking, those are the things that I long for. I long for love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, goodness. What am I doing to develop those things? Am I developing those things? And that's when I kind of turned to God and said, you know, to develop more love, what do I have to unclutter? I have to unclutter pride, right? Mm. To develop more peace, what do I have to unclutter? Worry, fear, control. To develop more kindness, what do I have to unclutter? I have to unclutter selfishness and apathy. And so that's how it started thinking that, okay, I want the Holy Spirit to come in and produce those qualities because that's what he promises he'll do for every believer. But there's a lot of junk in the way. Mm. There's a lot of things there that I have to deal with, or he has to help me deal with before we can start producing these qualities. So that's what it really means to me is, you know, again, leaning into his spirit that produces this, but also allowing him to remove mm. <laughs> the things that we want and the things that are not that we want that are preventing us from developing these soul qualities. Well, and that's really what rest is, is uncluttering our soul and having Jesus fill it. And so what would you say to someone that doesn't feel restful, that feels like she has a cluttered soul? What would you say to her is like some practical steps that she could do to unclutter her soul and to fill it with Jesus? Well, like I said, I think that the, a lot of people ask me, well, why is the book illustrated? Why was that important to you? Is that intentional? Is that purposeful? And I would say, amen, yes, it is. Mm. And my artist was very intentional and purposeful. The interesting thing about us working together is that right after we, we made the proposal and got it accepted and signed our contract, she moved to Grand Rapids, Michigan. I live in Hudson, Ohio, between Cleveland and Akron. So we weren't you know, with each other all the time. Mm -hmm. And so what I was doing was writing the book, sending it to her. And I let her go as an artist. I said, I trust you. I love what mm -hmm. you do. The only thing I would say to you is I just don't want it to be so literal. I don't want it to mm -hmm. be like, you know, an apple for love and a peach for, you know, okay. yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. she's like, no, that is not the kind of artist I am. Mm -hmm. So what was so interesting was she submitted all her artwork. I submitted all the chapters. And then it was Bethany house who laid out the book. Okay. So when wow. we first saw the book, that was the first time either one of us saw it all put together. Wow. And 
that was just such an incredible thing because then when I asked her, like one of my favorite chapters of, I love all of her artwork, but I love the succulents in the chapter on patience. Mm. And she said, I was very intentional about choosing succulents for patients. And I said, why? She goes, cause they're slow growing mm. and it takes patience to keep them. And, you know, so she was just that intentional. So mm-hmm. when I say about, when I would say to a woman, I would say, quiet your soul, really take time. And the point of the artwork in the book is to slow you down, Mm -hmm. to slow you down as you read this. The other thing that I did is I intentionally put most of the scripture verses written out in the book. And the reason why I did that is that I've taken Bible studies for years. I've taught them for years. A lot of time when a verse reference is given to me in a book, I'll be honest, I don't look it up. I might look it up if I need to answer a question about it. Yeah. Yeah. But, or if I think, oh yeah, that was okay. Maybe I should go and look at that, but Uh I wanted that. So this book is intentional about getting, Mm. you know, you in a quiet place, looking Mm. at something that's beautiful and causing you to slow down and not only read the words on the page, but look Mm. at the artwork on the page and know that it's there intentionally for you Mm. and then dig into God's word. I think one of the other things that we're up against in the Christian community with women is a lot of self-help. Yes. And uh, (laughs) I could go on a rant about that, but Mm -hmm. I won't. I won't rant about that. But what I'll say is that we don't need more self-help. We need more God help. If you get frustrated because you know, you made resolutions like I did and you've already fallen off the wagon. (laughs) Yeah. Right. You cannot approach uncluttering your soul that way. You cannot do it on your own. It Mm. isn't about self-help. It's about spirit help. It's about leaning into God and saying, I surrender. Yes. I surrender. And um, one of the things that I was guilty of too, is like when I came to a fruit of the spirit, like gentleness, I'll be real honest. And I think I write about this in the book. I'm like, well, I'm just not a gentle person. That's just not my personality mm. trait, right? I, you know, I, I can give you who I am with my, you know, the Briggs test. I can give you who I am with an Enneagram and, and I'm not any of those things. Gentleness is just not listed. Mm. And it's just like, no, these are not personality traits. Yeah. And while gentleness may look different in a strong woman like me, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that I always have to speak in a, you know, quiet voice and always be sugary sweet. That's not what gentleness means. Mm. And so that's what I was saying is that this isn't about, you know, your personality. This is about your soul. This Mm. is about God developing things in your soul. And then as he does that, he's transforming you where from the inside out, it starts in and then it does move out. And so You know, we can look at these qualities and traits and say, well, I like, I want more peace, but I don't really need to practice faithfulness or I want this. And it's like, no, it's a whole package. Mm. And that's how God works in us. And the first three qualities there, the love, joy, and peace have to do with our relationship with God and how we have to be connected to the source. And then the next three qualities is how we relate to others. Mm. And then the last three qualities are how we continue to develop these healthy habits and disciplines. Hmm. So it is very intentional and personal. And Paul was very prescriptive 
when he wrote the fruit of the spirit, we just read it as a list. But when you go through it in the way that he does it, you realize that God is working on this relationship, the, the vertical relationship, then the horizontal relationship. And then at the end, he comes in and says, now I'm going to do this and you're going to live this out. And why does it end with self-control instead of starting with self-control? At first, to me, that was counterintuitive. I'm like, well, I need self-control to practice all these things, don't I? Mm -hmm. No, I feel self-control is at the end instead of the beginning. Because if it was at the beginning, it would all be about me again, right? It would mm -hmm. all be about me doing this by my willpower and my strength. And it's not by my willpower or by my strength. So self-control is at the end. And it's really about God control, spirit control, mm -hmm. leaning into God every day and saying, I need you to uncover these qualities in me and then help me produce them. Help me stay connected to the true source, which is you, Jesus Christ, who can produce all of this in me, and then help me to walk in this. And so what you'll find in the book is that, yes, it's very scripture-based, but it also gives you a lot of time and space to search that out and then to observe it, to use it in daily life. And then again, like I said, the most critical part to lean into it. That's good. I love the theme. It seems like as we're talking, the theme is to leaning into God, like you saw earlier or you shared earlier um, about leaning into him and it's spirit controlled. It's not, you know, our what we can do, but it's what uh, it's God doing it in and through us. Wow. Okay. So tell us where we can find your book. And I think we're going to possibly do a giveaway if yeah. you are open to that. I yes, think that would definitely. be an incredible thing. Um, so y'all make sure you follow both of us on Instagram, mm -hmm. Carla Gasser, and then also um, Friends of a Feather podcast, because we will be doing a giveaway together for one of these books. But tell us where we can find The Beauty of an Uncluttered Life. Um, it's on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Christian Book, any place like that. You can also just go to my website. It's carlagasser.com, Carla with the C. And uh, I have a video there and then I have links to all the places where you can order it. So, and the one cool thing on Amazon, because it is such a visual book, mm -hmm. you can look inside the book there. And then, oh. so you could get a taste of what the artwork is. And there's some great pictures on Amazon if you want to check it out beforehand. Okay. But um, yeah, I call it a devotional Bible study because I do believe it's a hybrid. It is not uh, a simple daily devotional that a lot of us are used to with just a little paragraph and maybe a verse or a prayer. And those are great. I use them. And it is not an inductive five-day study that some of us are used to when we take studies with our friends or at church where you, you know, read something and then you have five days of homework. Right. Um, Bethany House and I met in the middle. You know, I wanted it to be a more of a Bible study. They wanted it to be more of a devotional, but we compromised. And I think what we came up with in this devotional Bible study, and it's also a place to journal. So there's space for you to write in the book. And I've had a few people say, well, it's too pretty to write in the book. And I said, there's a lot of great markers out there, real yes. beautiful Bible journaling markers. I said, uh -huh. maybe I should make that a package and include them. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. So you can write in the book and it still okay. is beautiful. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. Well, at the end of each episode, I have a um, eat, read, love segment. So it's just to get so that we can get to know you a little bit better. So Carla, what are you eating that you love? What are you reading and what are you loving? 
okay, can I tell you what I'm not eating? Yes. <laughs> I've tried to start off the year not eating as much sugar and flour. Okay. Yeah. So replacing that is I've been eating a lot more fruit. I've never been a fruit person and I've re-fallen in love, I guess, with berries. Yes. So I'm yes. eating a lot of berries. Okay. And you think this time of year, they're hard to find. Mm -hmm. um, I think they're a little bit more expensive, but yeah. they're still good. And I'm eating a lot of berries. Okay. Yum. Reading. I am reading An Imitation to Solitude and Silence. And there is a link in one of my latest blog posts. Do you know okay. the book? I can no, see. it sounds amazing. But it really goes with a lot of what we're saying <laughs> yeah, today. Definitely. So um, it's Ruth Haley Barton, and it is just very practical how you take this time to rest. It is such a good book. I highly, highly recommend it. Okay. And if you have a hard time leaning into sil solitude and silence, she walks you through it. And it's really a great book. What was the last <clears throat> one? I'm sorry. Eating what are you loving? What am I loving? Um, I'm loving life somewhat turning back to normal. I would say in the first, I, I know we've all gone through a lot of these shutdowns and different things, but I've been out more in the last week, obviously with the mask on, socially distance, all those, but yeah. just for the first time mm. for me, um, I was also hospitalized right before Christmas. I had a issue with my lupus that, that caused me no COVID God's protected me from that. Yeah. But, uh, so just getting out again has been, um, something that I'm loving and kind of great. seeing life return somewhat to mm -hmm. normal. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Okay. Where can people find you to follow you and hear more about your Bible studies and just, uh, life and, and pointing others to Christ? Um, my website is probably the best place and that's carlagasser.com. You'll see, you know, links to everything. I blog almost weekly so you can sign up to get my blog post. I have a lot of free faith resources there. That's my teaching background coming in. So I make up all these acronyms and all these lists and okay. you can download a lot of that for free right on my website. Uh, Instagram, it's carlagasseratc for at the crossroads. I have a Facebook page, same thing, Carla Gasser, ATC, you'll find me. Okay, wonderful. Thank you so much for giving me time today. And I'm just so encouraged by what you were sharing with us and with about the beauty of an uncluttered soul and that we um, can go in that path, no matter what's happening around us or um, going on, that we can have the beauty of an uncluttered soul. So thank you Amen. so much, Carla. A lot of the women I meet are beautiful and I tell them that they're beautiful. I said, but God wants to make you even more beautiful from the inside out. Mm, that's so beautiful. That's my prayer for you and for everyone that hears this and reads the book. Thanks so much for having me, Ren. Thank Blessings you. on you and you your too. ministry as well. Thank you so much, Carla. Well, thank you so much for listening to the Friends of a Feather podcast today. I pray you were encouraged. And if you were, I want to connect you with our Friends of a Feather community. So something new I'm starting in 2021 is every month I will be hosting a Friday Zoom meetup for all Friends of a Feather podcast listeners to connect and talk about the episodes from the month. I'm really excited and I would love for you to join in. You can go to my website at renrobbins.com 
And on the homepage there, you can find out all the information. It's a free group, but it's a really great way for us to all share about the episodes, share some takeaways, and have community together. So I will see you in that Zoom room the last Friday of every month. Remember, we are all friends of a feather, so let's stick together. Have a great week, and I'll see you next time. Bye, friends.